Today on episode number 738 of the School of Podcasting, which you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 738, we're talking about tracking your audience engagement. You can't manage what you don't track, and I get scolded by one of my listeners. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you start your podcast and grow your influence. Today, we're going to talk about measuring your engagement. And if you want to get more information, the website, schoolofpodcasting.com, if you want to sign up. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, LISTENER, and you can save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And if I sound, I don't think I sound weird right now to me, but if I do sound a little different, or if all of a sudden in the middle of a sentence I go, it's because I have pulled many, many muscles in my back, which is a really bad thing to do. When in the middle of helping your sister move so that you can then move, I will keep you abreast. But if you hear me occasionally just go, that's what's going on. I do want to remind you that next month, September 30th is International Podcast Day. A lot of people use this day. It's kind of podcasting's birthday. And a lot of people use this to do special things for their podcast. So if you're going to be doing anything special for your podcast, now would be the time to start planning that. And if you wanted to launch a podcast on International Podcast Day, I could help you do that. But just for the record, you kind of wanted to submit your show to Apple about three days ago. I am with Rob Walsh on this. Rob Walsh is the vice president of Libsyn. He's the vice president of Podcaster Relations And the reason why is when you submit it to Apple, it only takes eh, somewhere between five and 10 business days. But so many apps use the back end of Apple, like Overcast and many others, that you want it to get into Apple, which then takes, there's this whole thing called indexing. And then you have these other apps that are pulling from the back end who then have to index their stuff. And for the record, some people freak out and they're like, well, I don't want to have my show in Apple. And then, you know, people can find it before the big launch. And and I'm just here to tell you that uh, I am probably, well, I guess I don't. I don't have a home phone anymore. But when I had a home phone, uh, I was in the phone book. And yet it did not make me a multi-millionaire celebrity. And that's kind of what Apple Podcasts is. People really aren't going to find you that much, if at all, uh, without you telling, hey, I'm in the phone book. I'm in Apple Podcasts. And for the record, 70%, I think, is the latest stat of Europe is using Android. Please don't just focus on Apple Podcasts. So with that in mind, if you want to do something for International Podcast Day, that is September 30th, you might want to start thinking about that. No. Something else you could do in September is did you know that this podcast, the School of Podcasting, is currently up in the technology category for a People's Choice Podcast Award? If you go over to podcastawards.com and if you would be so kind to vote for the show in the technology category, it would be greatly appreciated. 
Appreciated? Yep, I just made up a new word. There you go. <laughs> Some other things that are going on in September, besides voting for me and International Podcast Day, is uh, the Independent Podcast Conference. This is uh, Super Joe Pardo's event. He's having one September 12th. Joe's been just having tons of events since we've all moved online. And from what I understand, I, w- well, I know I'm speaking there, and I'm batting cleanup which means I am the last one. And I love that position because I love to listen to all the speakers and then kind of summarize all their stuff together in kind of a go win one for the Gipper speech. So if you're interested in that, check out IndiePodcasters.com. A little later, we'll be talking about the question of the month, which is all about the word interesting. But right now... We are talking about engagement, which is kind of a byproduct of being interesting. And let me explain what kind of inspired this. I am going to have people go, seriously, Dave, you're talking about this? Because I have schoolofpodcasting.com. I have websites like podcastingresources.com that in reality should be schoolofpodcasting.com slash resources which it probably is, but I have a lot of different websites when in theory, if it was podcasting related, I could have just put it on the school of podcasting and had more Google juice. So I realize that there are going to be the marketing people out there that go, seriously, Dave, you're talking about this. And I get that. So what I'm talking about though, is what inspired this was I hear people that use bit.ly. Now, if you're not familiar with bit.ly, it's B I T L Y.com. And it is a link shortener. So what does this mean? So this means I could take that really, really long URL to like Google Podcast. So it's like whatever, Google.podcast. Try and spell this X, Y, K, M, B, X, double T, et cetera. And, you know, you're never going to remember that. So I could have something like bit.ly.com slash Google. And for me, it's weird when I hear bit.ly, I'm like, why not, especially if they have a WordPress plugin, you can make these branded to keep them, you know, reminding people what your website is. So that's what inspired that. But I was using Bitly and for something. And I'll give you an example. There was a before Patreon, there was a thing called Jaywalk. And it was very much like Patreon. And then Patreon came out. And I guess it was Google that said, hey, that looks pretty cool. And they bought Jaywalk and then they shut it down and absorbed all the people in it. But if you had been pointing people to bit.ly.com slash Jaywalk, well, I wanted to now point that at, say, Patreon. Well, you can't do that with Bitly. You can't go in and say, hey, that website doesn't exist anymore. I want the destination So you have your bit.ly link, bit.ly.com slash whatever. And I want slash whatever to point at the thingamabob, not the whatever. And you couldn't do that. And it wasn't really till this month that bit.ly added that feature. You have to pay for it. And so uh, that's what inspired this. So we're going to get into kind of a deep end of marketing. And I'm just going to put my toe in there. But I want to talk about engagement and then we'll get back to tracking links, but that's what inspired this. I was like, Hey, I want a link tracker that 
<laughs> that lets me just change the source, the, the destination. So engagement, how do we track engagement? There are many ways. And yes, there are downloads, but there are also things. I will play a voicemail I got this week that basically said, hey, Dave, WTF in a nutshell. And I was like, and I looked at it and I went, ooh, they have a point. So sometimes engagement is your audience going, duh, or, hey, that was really great. That touched me, things like that. So there's there's voicemail, there's email, there's smoke signals. All That's one way of judging your engagement. But another one is website traffic. So you may find out that while you have your top 10 episodes in downloads, that the top 10 website posts, you do have a website, right? So you're... I recommend that you have a post, not a page, a post for every episode that you can put keywords in. You can write up at least 300 words for your show notes and have links to everything you mention. That will help your Google juice. And you can go into different stats packages and see what is the most popular thing on your website. And then you can look at it and go, why? And then do more of that. Now, one of the ways I see a lot of people are doing this because it's easy, then they shoot themselves in the foot, is they will take a page on their website. And a page is typically something that doesn't change, like contact us, about if you were a restaurant, it might be directions or your menu, where posts are like a blog. And those are updated on a regular basis. And what I see a lot of people do, and this is a cool feature, and I'm not saying don't do this. I'm saying don't make this the lead. And that is whoever your host is, whether it's Libsyn, Blueberry, Captivate, Podbean, et cetera, et cetera, most of them have the ability to have a player that shows multiple episodes. Now at Libsyn, which for the record I work at, use the coupon code SOP free to get a free month. At Libsyn, we call this a show player. And I see a lot of people that will put a show player on their website and that's it. Now, I'm not saying I don't recommend that because you got to have something to click on so people can listen. I'm just saying you're not getting a whole lot of Google juice. And by that, I mean almost none when that is the only way to get your podcast. Instead, take each episode and make it a blog post that you can put keywords in and images. And what happens then is that text attracts Google. And when they then see your player, that only it's the episode player and somebody clicks play and they listen, Google goes, that's weird. We sent them to this blog post and it seems like they stay on this website quite a bit like a fairly long time. And so they go, that must be a really good blog post. And you don't get that. Well, you might get that with a show player, but there's no, it, it's like there's no words there. And technically a show player is not on your website. It's actually on your media host. It's just kind of, I, this one's a hard one to explain via audio, but for the record, that's, it's, it's called an iframe. Let's get our geek on. So that's one thing is if you want to attract things to your website, you got to give Google something to chew on. And this is where people go, oh, I've got the solution for that. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And they're like, we're going to do transcripts. And I found yet another really, really credible source 
that spewed some things about transcripts that, eh, again, why do people do show players? Because they're easy. It's one click and you leave it and you're done. And then you want the most for that. And eh, it doesn't really happen. So transcripts, I was listening to the business of podcasting. This is a show I just found with uh, Charlie uh, Valor and uh, of Valor Media. Really nice guy. He's coming on this show. I was up really late last week because he's in Australia. Right. And uh, talking to him, this is one of those guys that I could just talk. We could just trade podcasting stories back and forth. Really cool show. And what I like about the business of podcasting is Charlie runs in different circles than I do. He's got kind of a marketing background. And so, hence, the business of podcasting. And he had this guy who is literally the guy. Like, when somebody goes, hey, you know what? Uh, So-and-so wrote the book on blah, blah, blah. Well, this guy seriously wrote the book. It's called The Art of SEO. It's 994 pages. One more time, 994 pages. That's a whole lot of SEO just chocolatey goodness there. The guy's name is Steven Spencer. And so I'm listening to the business of podcasting. Links in the show notes, by the way. And here's what he says. This is a transcript of their conversation. I pulled this out. He says, the key thing here is you're creating something in an audio format. And although Google is getting better at taking that audio and doing something amazing with it, like turning that into searchable content on its own, you can't just rely on that. A lot of people don't have time to listen to podcasts and they like to just scan through the articles. And here's the key phrase, but nobody wants to read a transcript. Let's read that again, shall we? Nobody wants to read a transcript, said the guy who wrote the book on SEO. Who's going to get excited about reading a transcript with a bunch of the back and forth banter and not cutting to the chase? Having an article made out of the transcript, however, is a very powerful strategy. And if you have an hour long show or a half hour long show, that's a lot of textual content. And again, that is Steven Spencer from the Business of Podcasting show. So which is kind of what I've been saying the whole time. I'm not anti-transcript. I'm saying use that as the basis to make your article. But when I see a straight up transcript where it's like Ernie said this and then Bert said this and then, you know, blah, blah. No, I'm bouncing immediately. So if you're thinking, ha, I got the. mm." And for the record, I took some transcripts of a show I'm doing and turned them into an article. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work because we don't talk like we write and we don't write like we talk. Now, back to tracking what's working on your website. Most people use this thing called Google Analytics because it's free and it's really powerful. And it can give you some great insights about your website visitors. Now, another thing about this, you will see in your podcast stats that probably only about 3% of your audience listens on your website. So as much as we want them to be pretty, and I love things like like uh, PodPage, and there's a couple other ones in WordPress, and you got my buddy Mark over at podcastbranding.co to make you a pretty website, don't get too lost on the website, but don't make it look like a piece of junk either. But there are ways that you can flatten a learning curve of learning Google analytics because there is some really cool stuff in there. And one is, and this, most people don't know this. I didn't really know this till a while ago. Google offers free courses, not free course, free courses 
in Google Analytics. And if you got the time, definitely go through those. One of my favorite tools that makes super easy to understand reports, like here's your top 10 posts of the month, is Monster Insights. It's a plug-in, and it takes all of, I don't know, 15 seconds maybe to add this to your WordPress site. It is just a WordPress thing, and it makes it super easy then to see where your people are coming from, if there's any kind of referral links, what country they're in, what's the most, you get the idea. It gives you some really cool insights into your website. And that's again called Monster Insights. And I'll have a link to that out in the show notes, which you can find out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 738, because this is, well, episode 738. Now, before I get into non-WordPress things and tracking clicks and how to take an advertiser for a test run, I want to tell you about the School of Podcasting. If you're new to the show, the School of Podcasting is at schoolofpodcasting.com. And I've got step-by-step tutorials. One of the biggest classes there is planning your podcast. If you want to come up with a podcast that's going to create engaging content, check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com. But it also teaches you how to pick the right gear and how to set up your website and all sorts of other fun things. Then you have a private Facebook group filled with brilliant podcasting minds to bounce ideas off of. Then, if that's not enough, but wait, there's more. We do live group coaching. This is where you can come in and just ask any question, bounce an idea off people. We do that twice a month and then every Friday at 12.30 Eastern, it's Lunch with Dave where you can, again, kind of come in, ask me whatever you want. The bottom line is I never want you to feel alone. I never want you to be banging your head against the wall because you can't find an answer. There's also a live chat room. You've got priority email support. It's all there. Schoolofpodcasting.com. It's where I help you start your podcast, but I also help you grow your influence. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. If you're on WordPress, you can make what most of us call pretty links. This is a plugin that's used by a bazillion people. And if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe, that's a link to a page on my website that has all my ways to subscribe to the podcast. If I say, hey, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 738, how do I do that? Pretty links, because it's easier to remember schoolofpodcasting.com slash 738 than it is schoolofpodcasting.com slash tracking dash customer slash listener slash engagement slash 27 question mark X, Y, Z. Hence, Pretty links. It's been around for many, many moons. It's been downloaded over 2.5 million times. And it is about $49 a year per one website. So it's not, what is that? Uh, 50 bucks. Oh, don't do math on the air. It's cheap though. It's not free. I think there is a free version that doesn't do, that will just do the link thing. But Pretty Links Pro does all those cool things. Like if I type in, uh, the Audacity to Podcast in a blog post, it will automatically link to the Audacity to Podcast. If I type in my podcast reviews, it will automatically put in the link schoolofpodcasting.com slash MPR. Again, pretty link. 
And by the way, my podcast reviews now not only shows reviews from all the countries, but now also shows you your ratings, which is cool, from all different countries, including things, uh, many more than just uh, Apple now. So again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash MPR. That is a pretty link. Now, if for some reason you found somebody that said pretty link is the devil, uh, then check out Thirsty Affiliates. It's a very similar plugin with a very similar price. I have never used that, but it looks good. Now, here again, we're going to dip our toe into the marketing thing. And if you really want to get into using a pretty link kind of system for Amazon, there are things like a, I think it's Azon is a plugin, but I found another one that looks even cooler and it's called Lasso because it will actually check the stock. Like, is this product in stock at Amazon? And you put in multiple links and it will switch to the one that's actually in stock. I found that a very useful tool. Now, it is also not as cheap as pretty. It's $19 a month. But again, if you're a person who's really using this for affiliate stuff, that's the way to go. There's another one that's much cheaper called URL Shortener Pro. That's $19. And all of those are on WordPress. And again, the advantage of these plugins is the enable to reinforce your brand's website, your podcast website, while making it easy to remember. So like I said, schoolofpodcasting.com slash MPR is short for my podcast reviews. So schoolofpodcasting.com slash start will take you right to a place where you can, it's a sales page for the School of Podcasting. The other thing I do with these is I do another show called Ask the Podcast Coach, and I have a link there to my Patreon account at askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome because it's our awesome supporters. And I also do that because in the event Patreon ever goes away, I don't want to have, I don't know, 127 episodes where I'm going, hey, here's a link that doesn't work anymore. And I could just have askthepodcastcoach.com slash change it to something else. So when it's slash awesome, instead of pointing to Patreon, it's now pointing at the new thing. And I know you're going, but Dave, enough with the WordPress stuff. What if I don't use WordPress? I'm on Squarespace or Weebly or Wix. Well, this is where people, a lot of people used Bitly. And for $35 a month, you can put in a domain name. Now, keep in mind. Your domain name can't point at your website and at Bitly. That doesn't work. Your website can only kind of point at one thing. And so I was using Bitly. I actually had a domain podclick.me that I was using. But again, to go back to the original part of this, I couldn't change the original link. And I was like, well, that's a bunch of hooey. And so I found a tool called Rebrandly. Again, links in the show notes, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 738. And this company was started because there were enough people going, what do you mean I can't change the destination URL in Bitly? Literally, there were so many people going, what, what? That this company said, well, let's make something like Bitly, but let's make it so you can change so that in the event something goes out of business, something's out of stock, something, and you need to change the destination. So it's still schoolofpodcasting.com slash blah, 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 but where it goes to changes. And uh, 550,000 happy customers later, they seem to be uh, doing okay. You can actually have up to five custom domains. 
there for free. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Now, also for free, you can have up to 500 links. That's a whole lot of links. Up to 5,000 clicks. Now, if you get super popular and have tons of clicks, then you go up to their paid plan. That starts at anywhere from 24 annually per month to 29 a month. So even that is cheaper than Bitly's plan, which was 35. And I was like, huh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then I announced, I'm going to be looking into this topic. And for the record, there are a ton of these. And you also want to worry about free stuff. That's why I'm, I'm glad the fact that Rebrandly and even Bitly do charge for their service at a certain level because you don't want them to go away. For instance, Google, our good friends at Google, used to have a URL shortener that they did for free. And uh, yeah, not anymore. We know how Google loves to kill stuff. So in looking at this, I looked at some other sites. One is click.org, and this allows you to do what's called A-B split testing. So you could, if you're not sure, maybe you're trying to sell a product or something of that nature. You could make two different pages, one with an orange button on it and one with a blue button on it, and then basically send one link, and some people will go to version A and some people go to version B. This is a very marketing kind of thing. And it does that. It also adds a tracking pixel. This is another thing I saw. And so what this is, is when you someone when you send someone to a website that's not yours, you can add this pixel. And this is just a little itty bit of code on their website. And this is, if you ever go to Amazon and you look up something, and then you go to somebody's website and there's an ad for that thing. Yeah, you've been pixeled. Not the end of the world, not harm. It's not, you know, not Big Brother, but that's how marketing keeps their message in front of you. And there is much more of a, a marketing slant to click.org. And it's probably going to be overkill for those who want to just have a link to give to their audience. Likewise, I had some people say, have you ever checked out pixel.me? This is a really cool website, but their primary focus is not link shortening. It's all about retargeting. And again, this retargeting thing is where somebody comes to your website and because they're on your website or if they click a link that you gave them, then your stuff is going to start showing up in on Facebook and things like that. That's really its primary feature is retargeting. So, for example, you could send people to a post on Medium. So maybe you wrote a blog post on Medium. And for the record, that I, I get that, but I also kind of go, why wouldn't you put your blog post on your own website where Google will index it? That's always kind of a head scratcher for me. But you could you could send people to your post on Medium, and they would then see your ads on Facebook more. They have tools where you could send someone to Amazon and make your email, like a pop-up window show up on Amazon.com. Again, this is all very marketing centric. And while they do have some fun marketing tools, if you want to change the destination URL, which is what inspired this whole rabbit hole of this, you got to pay for it. There's no free version, $24 a month, which is the same price as rebrandly. If you pay for the year, uh, I do like some of their tools. And when it comes to marketing and tracking, uh, which is somewhat, if you think about it, this keeps your message in front of people even when they're not on your website in some cases, this would be the thing to use. Although I will say that Rebrandly does have some of this retargeting stuff as well. You're like, Dave, I'm starting to, my eyes are rolling in the back of my head. But those are all, 
you're, they're not WordPress. Bitly, Rebrandly, Click.org, and Pixel.me, they all also have a way to make links super easy, like a, a, a an extension for Chrome and things like that. So what can you learn from stuff like this? Well, number one, you could put a link in your email signature and then see how many people are clicking on the link in your email signature. You can have links to anything in email, and many times your email program will track those for you anyway. Links in show notes. So you can see, okay, we, we did a show about XYZ and nobody clicked through to get more information. Maybe this really isn't a topic that my audience is interested in. This is one that just makes me cringe. The whole Instagram thing where you only get one link and people will put something like whatever, uh, you know, link, link tree is actually one. And I'm like, why are you putting a link tree there when you could make your own kind of landing page and use a branded link? But again, that's me. So you could make that and track how many people are clicking on your link in Instagram. You could see that then. You could link to your subscribe buttons. So you could take the really long link to Apple and the really long link to Google and the really long link to Spotify and put those on your buttons. And then you could see how many people are clicking on Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera. And in general, I mean, we could go on for hours here. It's just if you're trying to gauge the engagement of your audience, you get a general idea of what people like and what they don't like. And if you're not on WordPress, that's fine. There are things like Rebrandly. That's the one that I'm using right now. And you'll see where a lot of my links now have the URL supportthisshow.com slash pod page or, you know, et cetera. I'm using that as a link because, again, I'm looking into maybe using a subdomain. So it could be like links.schoolofpodcasting.com slash pod page or something like that. That would keep my brand in there instead of using a completely different URL. Cause again, I'm not promoting the school of podcasting when I'm saying support this show.com, but because I have so many shows about podcasting, I can use many of these links on many other shows. So that's why I'm doing it. And that's the joy of podcasting. You can do this however you want. I just want to let you know that you can track what people are clicking on and get an idea of what's working and maybe what's not even if you're not on WordPress. Apple, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify. What do all four of those platforms have in common? They allow you to go in and see how far people have listened. And I haven't done this in a while because people are like, ugh. But one of the reasons I have a problem with Anchor And really, the problem that I have with Anchor is when they tell you, hey, click here and we will submit your show for you. They don't mention that when they do that, you lose the ability to see how far people are listening in Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. But this is another way that you can go in and see, am I losing my audience? And for the record, it it takes a little getting used to. I know on this show in Apple, I have a huge dip in the first 60 seconds. Why? Because I have about 91% of my audience is subscribed. Thank you very much. In Apple, by the way, realize when you're looking at Apple, it's stats on people that are using the Apple podcast app. When you're looking at Google, you are looking at people who are using the Google podcast app, Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher. And some of them are more detailed than others. 
but I can see how many people or what percentage of people are subscribed in Apple Podcasts. I'll have the links in the show notes again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 738 on how you can do this in Apple. And I have this scoop at the beginning of my show. And originally that really worried me and it dawned on me that when you have an audience that is subscribed and they know the whole beginning, they can say it with you. Podcasting since 2005, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And they skip it. So don't freak out when you see these stats and kind of be careful what you wish for. Now, I will say on YouTube, YouTubers are ecstatic if they can stay above 50%. I am way above 50%, but just keep that in mind if all of a sudden you see where you lose 70% of your audience in the first three minutes. But that's another way you can track your audience engagement. And what I want to talk about now is taking an advertiser, he said in quotation marks, for a test run. So last week at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 737, I talked about the new Zoom PodTrack P4 portable recorder. It's a really cool device. And 84 people clicked on the link to check it out. That is a, at this time, as I record this, that's 11% of my audience. Now, the interesting thing is, and it might be because it's on pre-order, nobody purchased it. So they were really interested in it. And I'm wondering if they went, oh, it's not available yet. And maybe they'll come back. But as many people feel three to 5% is a decent rate for click through, like they'd be like, wow, you got 11, but that is huge. Uh, That's showing me that this device is pretty exciting to my audience. Maybe not enough to buy it yet. Maybe COVID, when in doubt, just blame COVID. But I also think the fact that it's not really available yet. But that's an example of I can go in and I can see how many people clicked. And then I can go in, in this case, to B&H and see did anybody buy. And by using an affiliate link, it has built-in click tracking. I can see how many people clicked. I can see how many people purchased. And the biggest affiliate program on the planet is Amazon Associates. Now, they are somewhat picky on who they let into the program, but all they can say is no, especially if you just started up. If you're only like three months into your podcast and you don't have a ton of website traffic, because you do have to actually have people clicking on the links and hopefully buying something. So it's a little tricky. But if you don't want to join Amazon, because I realize some people think Amazon is the devil, then find a product you love. You just like, oh, I would tell, especially if it fits your audience. And that's a key there. Can't believe I didn't say that up front. For affiliate marketing to work, the product has to fit the audience. Like I could talk about, I don't know, the total gym in this podcast, but we're not here talking about fitness. It doesn't really fit. But if I talk about the Zoom, PodTrack P4, that seemed to fit a lot. So if you can find a product that you love, go to their website. And at the bottom, often you will see things where it'll say like partners or it'll actually say affiliates. And you sign up and hopefully they will approve you. And they give you a link That proves that anybody that click on that link, it came from you. And then if they buy, they go, hey, wow, the person you sent us bought, here's a percentage of the sale. I actually have an affiliate program for the School of Podcasting. So if you're somebody thinking, hmm, 
I wonder if I should start teaching people how to podcast because I'm not making a dime with my podcast myself. Go to And here's another example. Remember how I said that I split that this is so dumb. Podcastingaffiliates.com is where you can sign up to be an affiliate of the School of Podcasting. But I do have a link. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash affiliates, you can sign up. And if somebody joins the School of Podcasting, you get a commission and you get a commission for every month that they stay subscribed. And so that might be, if you want to you know, test a thing and you like the School of Podcasting, that might be when you do that. But you want something you can talk about from the heart and say, this is, this is a great product. I've used this. This is why I recommend it because you have a relationship with your audience and they will trust you. So that's the other thing to keep in mind with affiliates. Don't just pick a product because, well, they have a big payout. No, because if your audience buys something from you that you said, oh, I use this all the time, it's great, and you lied, then uh, that there goes your integrity right out the window. So that's a way that you can kind of take an advertiser for a practice run is by using affiliates. And then later, if you actually want to try to get someone to sponsor your show, you have an idea of how many people you can send to their website. I am obsessed right now with the word interesting. I don't, it's just something I was like, hmm, that seems to be, it's just jumping out at me. And so I'm working on some things, but I want your input on this as well. And here again is another pretty link. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash question is the page where I have the question of the month. And so what I want you to do, and don't worry about how long this is, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. And there are ways you can click there and leave a message. You can upload a file if you've already recorded it. I've even got voicemail if you want to call and use your phone. But when you hear the word interesting, what comes to your mind? If someone who spoke another language came to you and said, somebody used the word interesting, what does that mean? How would you describe it? And again, just feel free to riff on your thoughts on interesting and explain any examples of content you feel are interesting. And I need your answer by September 25th. 2020. Don't forget if you have a podcast to tell me the name of your podcast, a little bit about what it's about and where I can find it. And again, the deadline, September 25th, 2020, schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. What a way to go into retirement. Yeah, but wouldn't you get bored after Do a podcast. That's true. Sit, sit like every other person on this planet does in their basement and do a podcast. There's nobody that doesn't have a podcast. Because literally anybody could do a podcast. That is Eddie Trunk on Sirius Satellite Radio. And I mentioned that if you have an engaged audience, they will tell you good things and they will also hold your feet to the fire. And one of the things I always say about show notes is in your description, on your blog, anything you mention a link to, you should have, well, a link to that. And in last week's episode, someone had mentioned about how my episode where I did a super deep dive into doing interviews and being interviews, and I did not put a link to that particular episode, and that led to this. Hey, Dave. My name is Darren Bell, and I've been a listener to your podcast for a couple of years. I will be starting my own very soon. 
but I have been trying to learn as much as I can. Now, one thing that I have found very frustrating with your episodes is when somebody says, oh, go back to episode 725, and, and that's the one that I talked about such and such. Well, none of your episodes are numbered. Now, there, I just listened to your most recent podcast, and they mentioned going back to episode 678 because of the uh, interview questions, you know, being getting some help on interview questions, that type of thing. And so I look on my smartphone, I go to your website, and there is no no episode number. I've, and there's no date specified. I noticed you have dates, but... Dave, you, you got to help me out here, and others who are who are looking by numbers. I'm wondering why don't you have episode numbers on your uh, on, on your podcasts? Anyways, uh, if you could somehow get me some uh, information on where to go for this episode, I think it was 678 that he mentioned. Uh, anyhow. And it was the one where you taught where you were talking about the Zoom P4, and one of your guests mentioned episode six seventy eight for the interview questions. Anyhow, thanks for everything, Dave. We'll see. Bye. So, Darren, I already replied to Darren the, the minute I got this, and I apologized. And I went and looked at the website, and sure enough, I did not have a link in episode 737 to the previous episode. And so I want to let everybody know, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash episodes, you will see a search box right there. And if you want like the really, the ones where I just go deep dives, I usually use the word the ultimate. So you'll see like the ultimate guide to launching your podcast, the ultimate guide to hosting and guesting interviews, the ultimate new and noteworthy Muhammad Ali podcast guest reviewed. Um, Keith and the girl share ultimate podcasting tips, but the one he was looking for is the ultimate guide to hosting and guesting podcast interviews. And that is episode number six, seven, seven. And he, he brought up the question, why don't you put episode numbers in your title? Why don't you put outhouses on the beach? Well, I guess they do. When I think about that, if you had a lakefront property, would you put a tool shed? No, for me, the title of the episode is so important. Like, wow, like gold, like whole, it's like unicorns, like it's precious. And I just don't, and, and it's really, really popular in what? Google. Google doesn't care that it's episode number 677. Now you might say, but Dave, you're all about your audience and you're right. And that's where I messed up. That is where I messed up. I should have had a link to this. And I used to do this, and I'm going to slowly go back and, and add this, even though it's 738 episodes later. I'm going to say up to episode probably 200, and I'm not sure why I quit. I would put the episode number in the description so you could go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash episodes and do a search. But I always figured people were searching for the topic, not so much the number. But I do realize that other people, in this case, my somebody who chimed in, used a number. And I should have either A, said, yep, he mentioned that. Just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash episode number because that has been done. 
737 times. So if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash one, you will see the very first episode called Your First Podcast Usually Stinks. And by the way, that is 15 years old and still gets eh, five downloads a month. And so my apologies for making it harder for you to find that. And I am going to go back into the back episodes and put episode numbers, not in the title, though. No, I mean, unless somebody's holding a gun to my head for me, in my opinion, I don't want to waste the title of the episode with an episode number. If you're going to do that, and I realize some people are like, I got to do it, then put them at the end. That's what I would recommend. And I wouldn't put the whole word episode. I would just put like EP, you know, 738. That's my opinion. That's what that's now, you know what I'm basing my opinion on, because what's going to make people click more? Because I, I, I really cringe when I see people spell out the word episode when it says episode seven, three, eight, then they'll put school of podcasting and then they'll finally get to the title is is school of podcasting episode seven, three, eight going to make you click or how to tell how to track your audience engagement? Which one is going to make you click more? And that's why I don't care as much about episode numbers. I'll put a link in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 738. I wrote an article about this on why did we even start this in the podcast business journal? And it has a history of an actual MP3 player that didn't have a screen. It was really weird when you think about it. So that's my thoughts on episode numbers. And again, my apologies for making your life difficult. That's not the purpose of this podcast. But I do appreciate you listening to this. If you want to start a podcast, it's super simple. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener. In the future, I'm going to be talking about lessons that we can learn from Tyler Perry. And if you're like, who's Tyler Perry? It is not Steve Perry's brother, middle-aged white person. Tyler Perry is an American actor, director, playwright, and producer who has a net worth, according to the internet, so take it for what it's worth, $600 million. I'm thinking we can learn something from that. And we'll be talking about that more in the future, as well as anything else you would like to hear. If you have a topic, you're like, hey, Dave, have you talked about this? Schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. You can subscribe to the show at schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe and never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, could you do me a favor and tell a friend? Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. I am a person that if I looked back, I have split my, there are times, yeah, easy for me to say, spit it out, Dave, whatever you get the idea. So let's, what's with the word? So I'm saying that a lot now. So just transition. So last week at school of podcasting.com slash three, seven, seven.